Hey, welcome back. We're here again with one of our favorite shows this week with Wendy. The only show where you'll find real talk about the real SoCal estate of mine with your host, Wendy Ross, who after decades of working at real estate brokerages in Silicon Valley and Orange County, decided it was time to create something different, and so she did. That's when Veracity Real Estate was born, because the time was right for renewed commitment to bespoke client advocacy at all levels. Yes, we said all levels, something you don't see in high-cost markets like Southern California. And through it all, you're going to hear it today, she's built a company of data-driven decision-makers. Would they say data sexy? I'm not sure if I can believe that or not, but we'll find out today here. <laughs> With the data nerd herself, the data the data diva. That's what we're going to call you here, the data diva here. Wendy Ross, welcome. I'm liking that, Paul. The data diva. How's that one? I just That's made that up. That's good. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And what do you mean? You question whether or not nerds are sexy. Hey, <laughs> we rule the world. Isn't You're welcome the for the technology that we're using right now. Yeah, thank you. So, exactly. Totally. Yeah, without us, where would we be? <laughs> well, if anybody can make data sound sexy, you can. I mean, it's suddenly, as you, what were you saying? It's like, you know, uh, you, you had a couple other clever ones before we started here. Something about if you if you save money, that's sexy or something. Here. Cash flow is sexy. Cash flow is sexy. There you go. Yes. In real estate, cash flow is sexy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it, I well, have got a, a sexy topic today. This one, this one's going to sizzle. Well, tax saving strategies for real estate investors. Oh. I'm getting hot just thinking I about it. I knew it. I was going to say, you're getting hot already. <laughs> I know. I can see from here. Oh, I, just you wait, Paul. Okay. You you just, you tease me, but you know, you know you love me because <laughs> I have a whole different perspective. You know, I, I look at the market differently and I bring you market analysis that comes from a totally different perspective. You sure do. And part of how I do that is by surrounding myself with brilliant people like Tan Kambaliza. You know, we have to have all of the experts as part of our arsenal. And, and Tan, of course, is one of the most critical pieces to the real estate equation. I mean, of course, I will help you go find or dispense of property, but how you hold it and how you manage it and how you document your cash flow, that's all Tan. You know, so we need to hear from the expert about what that's going to look like. She's a CPA and she's partner at Combaliza McGee LLP. And um, I'm in awe of Tan. She was born in <laughs> Vietnam. She came here at the tender age of 20. I mean, that's still a child, really. So coming to a new country and learning about the culture and learning about life and the business, the business of business. Um, bravo. You know, I, I thank you. I don't know that I could have done that myself. And since 2006, she's been in the practice of public accounting. And thankfully, it's the perfect career choice for her because she loves it. And her clients, I know, love her. Dawn works both in public and private companies, so whomever you are, she's probably got a solution for you. So she'll work with small business owners and also executives in major corporations. And the diversity of her work stimulates her whole entrepreneurial and creative mind. It keeps her on her toes. You know, she likes to provide complex business and tech strategies to help them everyone become more profitable. So even if it, this is your family business and you have one investment property, or even if it is just the managing of the home that you're living in, you need to talk to Ton about all of your tax strategies and how they fit together because no two situations are the same. 
no two families are the same, right? No two businesses are the same. And, and in that light, people pay attention. We're going to talk in broad strokes today. Tana's not giving you specific advice about what you should do in your situation, but she's going to just have a conversation with me about things that we can do that you might want to employ so you can call her later and make your own strategy. So anyway, when she's not doing all the all tax all the time, she loves to spend time with her family and travel and she gives back to the community in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. One of which I know very well because we were at this wonderful gala that she she threw. You were the chairwoman, right? Yes. Tell us a little bit about that really quick. <laughs> well, it was really fun. And um, I just figure if with a small nonprofit organization, someone had to step up and I decided to step up to help them to raise funds for the year, hopefully. I love it. And this is the um, Art and Creativity for Healing Foundation? Uh, organization. Organization. Yes. Yeah, it was a fun party, people. <laughs> it was called Hats Off when we all wore fun hats. It was like the Mad Hatter's best tea party ever. <laughs> and can we get her a little closer to the microphone here? She's pulling away from it here. I don't know. She's she's resisting getting up close to that microphone here. You could here. pull it closer if that's oh. easier. There yeah, you go. There you go. Right yeah, there. Thank Perfect. you. Amazing. All right. So thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I just love having you in my world. So I've got a million questions for you, of course, but just if you would indulge me for a moment. First, I'm going to do the whole this week with Wendy thing and frame the market from last week. So um, as Paul knows, and, and he snores every time, things are just ploddingly boringly kind of the same. Mm-hmm. We had 500 new listings come on the market last week over the week before that was up 2%. We put 508 of them into escrow. That was down 5%, but that's because the week before there was just nothing to sell. We ended up closing 545 sales in escrow. That was up 2.6%. So just these minuscule little weekly increments. And people were trending into late spring, early summer now. We should be getting increases in inventory of 20, 30, and 40% increase week over week. We're not. This is not going to get us anywhere near price stabilization. This is going to be a long, hot ridiculous summer unless something catastrophic happens and I'm not expecting a meteor strike because we do track these things too. So no, I mean, prices are going to continue to do what they're doing. Median price has been bobbling up and down through spring. Um, It's at a million 50 as of this last week that was down 2.8%, but that doesn't mean a lot. Week over week, it's going to bobble a tiny bit. We're over a million dollars, people. The median price in Orange County is more than a million dollars. That's insane. And as I reported in my last month-end report, and if you're not getting those, go to my website or sign up for them at realveracity.com. In my last end-of-month report, I cited the correction that occurred after the you know 2009-2010 meltdown in you know, 11, 12, 13, all the speculators were in the market. Prices really stabilized and started to increase when the days on market hit this all-time historic low of 36 days. Wow. We are at seven days now. Wow. I mean, the historic low has just been blown into the weeds. We're selling houses in seven days for the love of God, people. We need more inventory. If you're hesitant about putting your home on the market, remember what we've been saying. If you're over 55, you can take that property tax base with you. Just put your dang house on the market. Someone else wants to buy that house that you've, you know, that's too big for you or too small for you or, or, or. Anyway, I'm going to get off my soapbox. The list price to close price ratio is still high. We're selling them 6% above list price. And trust me, sellers are not dropping their, their prices yet. So it's an incredibly hot market. We need more inventory. Anybody who's coming in and buying anything in this market needs to make every single dollar count. And that brings me back to Ton. <laughs> so Ton, there's so much here. So I, I'm a, a new would-be investor. I want to invest in real estate. What should I do and what sort of entity, if any, should I create? 
Yeah, that's probably most uh, frequently asked question when clients come to me.、Uh, maybe they have one property, or now they're just going to buy their first property.、Mm-hmm. Um, usually, I I always tell them I'm not an attorney.、Uh, they need to talk to their attorney about liability protection of various type of entity. That's smart. But from the tax side,、um, number one type of entity should be held、uh, sh- should the real estate should be held is LLC.、Mm-hmm. And then、uh, sometimes I see people use it under partnership, which is a GP or LP for various estate planning purposes. But again, you have to talk to a state、uh, attorney for that.、Mm-hmm. But most frequently used, and I recommend is LLCs.、Mm-hmm. If I can say never, almost never, and ever、uh, hold a real estate under corporation、oh, or S corporation. Why would that be? Well, because S corporation.、Um, We don't need to get too nerdy in it, but there's a built-in gain in it. So once、mm-hmm. you put that assets in, it's very hard to take it out,、oh. and it's going to be tax consequences when you take it out. Okay, of that type of entity. So to minimize your taxes, try to avoid the S corp、mm-hmm. if you possibly can, and never ever put in C corp either. So、okay. they still corporation, just LLCs or partnership. Interesting. Yes, and it still offers some protection. Oh yes, because of the limited liability. I、yes. never forget LLP means limited liability. Yes. So, but、okay. LLC is going to be more protection than LLP. And again, I'm not an attorney, but from the tax law, that's what it is. I love it. And what's interesting too is I hear that,、um, and I see this a lot when I'm looking at title records and researching property、mm-hmm. for clients. That oftentimes there will be an LLC specific to each property. Is that what you would do? Yes. So,、um, let's say if、um, husband and wife make. Combine two, three hundred thousand dollars, and then they save some money to buy real estate.、Mm-hmm. Right. So then, if you don't put under any entity, let's say something happens, a tenant fault, they sue you, they go all the way to at most whatever you have. Right. The LLC basically try to shield it away from whatever you have, and so they can't take everything you own. Right.、Mm-hmm. So then, some very、um, sophisticated. Real estate investors, they say, "Well, I only want anyone to sue get me at most that property only. I don't want them to get to my other ten properties I have." Got it. So that's why、um, they recommend, or attorneys usually recommend, to create separate LLCs. Now, it can be very costly because each LLCs in California minimum is eight hundred dollars, regardless whether you make money or not. Okay. So usually, I would tell the clients like, "This is pros and cons from、mm-hmm. tax perspective." Um, you have to make decisions. I had a client that just came to me with eighty-four properties, and the attorney said, "Well, eighty-four LLC." I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! No, 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 no! It's probably maybe worth two, three hundred. Their cup of tea, their risk level is about three, four million of liability if they can be sued and all、mm-hmm. that." So then we narrow down to only fifteen LLCs instead. But that still makes so much sense to me because if you're if you're minimizing your risk exposure. Eight hundred bucks seems money well spent, rather than、right. you know if you've got millions of dollars in assets. Right, right, so, for、wow. sure. But then don't forget that、uh, you have to pay me for every return as well. So I always make sure people understand the pros and cons. Interesting、yeah. points. See, I love the honesty because. <laughs> She doesn't work for free, <laughs> no. And she doesn't have to. People, when someone knows what they're doing and they're going to save you money, pay them. <laughs> Just sign at the X that is, no, sign on the line that is dotted. Right? <laughs> is that Glengarry Glen Ross? I'm showing my age. All right. So, how can real estate investments save families and individuals money in taxes? I mean, we see what happens with large corporations, but how how does the everyday person save money? Yeah. So, like how I said earlier,、uh, everyday person, like husband and wife. Let's say the husband work for a corporate or banks or whatever, make let's say four hundred thousand dollars a year. The、mm-hmm. wife stay at home, take care of kids,、right. and they both love investing in real estate.、Mm-hmm. So、um, one of the rules is called、um, real estate material participation. 
Mm-hmm. In other words, if you spend more than 750 hours a year in real estate, you consider it as real estate professionals. So you're participating. Person. Oh, interesting. Yes. So then usually husband and wife can look out there, look for properties, talk to bankers, talk to real estate um, advisor and all that. Mm-hmm. Those hours count toward that. And now you become the real estate person. So um, the wife now going to be the real estate person because the husband already works for someone right, else. Right. They they don't have another seven fifty to prove to the IRS I can carve it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how we can structure to say the income here and then the real estate income here going to have a loss on paper because right. of depreciation. Mm-hmm. So that's how let's say we have four hundred thousand dollars here um, income and then over here real estate with cost accretion study which we probably going to touch later. Absolutely we are. Going to have a little loss in here let's say even up to 200. Now you're going to be taxed on 400 minus 200 equal $200,000 income only Mm -hmm. instead of here I am stay at home wife not making any money have the little passive real estate loss that you cannot deduct. That is so stinking smart. Yes. So that's probably one of the ways that you guys can be in real estate. And people often don't um, don't think about it, you know, but when, when I explain to my clients, real estate uh, in general, residential real estate is composed of two very important parts. One is the physical structure and the other is the dirt upon which it sits. Mm-hmm. And of course, in California, especially Southern California, the closer you get to the beach, the more value there is in the dirt. The dirt's really, really valuable. So the dirt tends to go up in value over time, whereas the building or the structure that's on top of it, it's physical and it deteriorates over time. Mm-hmm. So you want to depreciate that. You want to say, yeah, I'm losing value in that. And that's what Tan's going to help you do. Yes. And then my favorite part of this is cost segregation. So taking different aspects of the physical property and depreciating that differently. And can you kind of expand on what that looks like? Yeah. So I usually explain to my clients that um, for residential rental property, let's say we buy that property for $2.7 million. I, I love you. Easy math. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That usually, without doing anything, the IRS say, hey, 60% of it, they may agree with you, but more likely, I'll say 60% of it going to be able to be depreciated mm. over 27 and a half years. Okay. So you just do the math, 2.7 yeah, yeah. times 60%, blah, blah. So you have very minimal right. expense every year. Mm-hmm. But for 2022, it's the last year, you can accelerate 100% of depreciation of anything that's not 27 and a half years. Or less than really? So cost segregation study comes in and say, hey, the window's only seven years, uh, the appliance is only seven years, these are only five years, and so on and so forth. So out of all this, you may carve out about two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand dollars of these assets that have class life less than twenty seven and a half years. Exactly. Fifteen years or less, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then you can have that one time deduction, all of it at once. So remember that guy said four hundred K of income, now he still have three hundred K of losses. Because he accelerated the depreciation yes. on those things that have shorter lifespans. Yes. So then now he only be taxed at one hundred. And this is a true story. My client then going to save all the taxes and put in another property, mm-hmm. roll it in, and then build his real estate portfolio that way by right. saving taxes. You know, and it, people, when we think about all of these like legacy families in, in America and around the world, um, the Gettys, the Vanderbilts, you know, the, these big names, they may have made their money in um, a variety of different industries, but they all had massive real estate portfolios because real estate it truly is an important part of your investment strategy, right? That's 100% right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's why I own my own home. <laughs> all right. So we, we've talked about how in a one-off situation for property that we've we've bought now, we've invested we're holding on to it and we're taking advantage of, of legal tax strategies 
for the smartest of the smart to to accelerate a depreciation and get more write-offs. So another different type of strategy is selling one investment property for another in a 1031 exchange. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? Yes. So I actually can tie back to cost declaration study even. Ah. Because right now, once we accelerate that hundreds of thousand first year, let's say next year you're like, well, but I find something else I really like, and this one makes so much money on a sell. Mm -hmm. But whatever you already accelerate depreciation, technically you have the very low basis, your tax is now going to be higher. So you actually, instead of just sell straight up, you tend to want to change the one that you did cost declaration because now you even have larger gain than usual. Right. And you roll into the new property. So you want to shelter that gain. Yes. Basically forever. Until hopefully you pass. And then you pass it down the next generation. You have step up basis. And that's how you keep going. And that's how families do it. So a lot yeah. of these people that have so much wealth because they were transferring things, you know, it's because they had that little house on Lido that great, great, great grandpa bought <laughs> yes. for $60,000. Now it's worth $6 million. <laughs> Right? Yes. It's nuts. It is just nuts. People keep talking about um, the challenges to the 1031 exchange. And you know, like every every couple years we hear about, oh, they're going to get rid of it. They're going to get rid of it. Have you heard anything about that? Um, I hear about it, but I think people just talk about it. I don't know whether it's actually going to happen. Not only the normal people, commoners own real (laughs) estate, you know, Um, there are other people owning it. But with 1031 exchange, I want to bring out like one very frequently asked question to me as well is you cannot 1031 exchange your personal home. It's only rental, only business rental real estate. So you say, oh, I can live in this house and I 1031 exchange it. No, it doesn't work like that. But at least they broaden the categories a lot. Several years ago, they said an investment is an investment. So you can 1031 exchange. Let's say you had a single family house that you were using as a rental. You can 1031 exchange that and buy a duplex. Correct. Or a hotel even or, you know, another investment. So, you know, we can't cry. We can't do other primary residents. But there are other alternatives for our primary residences that we'll talk about on another show. Yes. All right. So what about these people? And I find it very funny because I do get this question occasionally. I just want to invest in land. I'm like, you've seen Orange County, right? There's like two parcels left, but whatever. What do you say to people when they want to invest in land? So usually, um, when people invest in land, I say, well, first of all, do you have, what are you going to do with the land? Right. And they say, oh, I want to build this, build that. I like, do you have a team underneath to even do all that? I say, Thank oh, you. no, because usually doctors and engineers, they just wake up one day, they want to do that. And I say, well, that's my first question. My second question is like, um, you have to talk to your financial advisor whether that's even a good investment for you. But from tax perspective, if anyone looks to invest in real estate to save taxes, land is not the answer. <laughs> nor the development of the land basically has to be ready to go. It uh, just sounds sexier than it really is, people. Ton is so right. I mean, if you don't have a team of people and the economy of scale even, it's so expensive exactly. to hire labor and get materials for one project. Yes. You know, you need and you're competing with the big kids out there. So, yes. Yeah. It, it's here's a weird analogy, but, but bear with me. It reminds me of when I was I was recovering from a surgery years ago. So I decided I was going to learn how to make French pastry and I bought all of the equipment that I needed. And I stayed at home and I taught myself how to make French pastry and I was really good at it. And when it was done and I did the cost analysis, one croissant cost me like five bucks. And I'm like, this is not time <laughs> (laughs) more money well spent. (laughs) I am not going to do this anymore. Same thing, right? Exactly. I'm all about, you know, going out there and wanting to make the world a better place, but that might not be the investment for someone who doesn't have lots and lots and lots of land they can acquire. Okay. So we talked about cost segregation. We talked about saving taxes. And 
what we haven't talked about, and we talked about, you know, how you can save them money, but when is it that someone should know it's time for me to get a CPA involved? At what point should that be happening? Yes, usually when people first get their first property, they usually think their tax situation become more complicated. Mm -hmm. I think if they need to talk to CPA at that time, probably come back to that question, what type of entity, if I should even create one entity to hold that property. Uh, beyond that one probably as long as you keep rental income and expenses neatly mm-hmm. you, you still don't need a CPA but when you get more than two or three mm-hmm. and then you have sales built-in gain you want to sell those properties what do you need to do mm-hmm. or in that examples of how you have rich husbands or rich wife work and then what do we do with the real estate to offset that income right. so need a little bit more strategic planning strategic uh, advisor then yes but if you just need someone just to punch that in the software you can do the same or any other tax preparer can do the same got it got it so I love it you're saying you don't need me yet no you don't you just need to keep a very good uh, track of record Mm -hmm. Um, and since we talk about that I really want to bring to everyone's attention that not everyone touch your tax return is a CPA CPA is a very hard test that Mm -hmm. we would Mm -hmm. have to study, we would have to learn a lot. Mm -hmm. And the IRS does not require you to even have any sort of degree to prepare taxes. Right. So uh, don't just call anyone randomly right, CPA right, right. because it's not true. Right. Because there's like it, the enrolled agents, they're not No, the enrolled agent is yeah. not. Yeah. But even EA, they have to take a test mm-hmm. versus test preparer. You just need a little test with uh, IRS annually to renew your ability to prepare taxes. Wow. So it can be high school, non-high school, no degree. In fact, I've seen someone hire a homeless person to prepare someone else's taxes just because they can punch Holy you numbers. mother of God. So be careful. And don't just use the word CPA too casually because it hurts our feelings. <laughs> no kidding, right? Well, like, yeah, like like me in real estate, I'm a broker. And it, yeah, it means I'm held to a higher standard, but people just sort of use that word interchangeably and they don't understand really what it means. But right. you know, a certified public accountant means that you are answerable to pretty much God, <laughs> right? All right, the IRS, which yes. is nearly God, right? <laughs> they're, they're God-like. All right, oh my goodness. So. Since since you said that, we've made this clear clarification about be careful with whom you who you hire to do your your tax preparation and things. What if somebody wants to work with with you and your firm? You've agreed, okay, yeah, you're at the level. You've got two or three properties. It's probably getting a little bit complex. We might be able to to bring enough value to you that it's going to offset our expense. What does it look like when they work with Combaliza McGee? What's what's that experience like? Yeah, so from, for people that work with uh, smaller um, firms or just a tax preparer, at first they come in, it's like, I just want to work with ton. But actually, you don't want to pay me a lot of money just to put in your one plus one equal two. Mm-hmm. So the data entry day to day is going to be prepped by the staff, that mm-hmm. all accountants, we all graduate from a university with accounting degree, Great. Uh, with my supervision. And then I'm more involved on the planning, strategic all this stuff that no one knows yet right. that's when I do it. And that makes sense. And that saves the cost on the clients as well. Sometimes they just want that, feel that important that, oh, you have to be the owner, you have to be the partner, but you need to get your money well spent. You mm-hmm. shouldn't spend on me to just type your name. Well, and your team is tight. When you've worked with the client and you've crafted their strategy, yes. your team understands, okay, here is the direction we're taking. Exactly. You know, John and Jane Doe are, are doing this. This is their entity. This is how we're depreciating it. 
go plug in the numbers. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Paying you to do the data entry doesn't seem like money well spent <laughs> or time well spent. Your brain needs to be doing other creative things, advising other clients. Yes, exactly. I love it. Okay. So talk to me about, um, who is a great client for you? Do you have a favorite type of client? Is there a type of real estate, a geography, a personality? Is there uh, I would say more like the personality, uh, willing to learn mm-hmm. and be strategic. If you come in, so one one person say, well, I want the most aggressive, badass CPA. I said, I'm badass, but I'm not sure what <laughs> your definition, though. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. Um, it has to be strategic, uh, willing to learn and willing to plan in advance. Mm-hmm. If someone comes to me after the transaction is closed, it's kind of too late to do anything. Yeah, uh, and if you just come in to want to save taxes illegally, I'm not the answer either. See, uh, but someone just like, hey, I have this situation. What can you do to help me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's probably a good fit. Nice. So yeah. get me out of the gate, moving in the right direction. Yes, legally, legally, honestly. <laughs> See, there's a reason my company is called Veracity because I surround myself with people like Todd. <laughs> so, and speaking of people, I surround myself with Paul. You ready to take it away and uh, talk a little bit about today's sponsor? I am. I am. I just have to cool down. You guys have got me too hot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as always, you proved yourself that you surround yourself with some great strategic partners, including our sponsor today, Ford and Diulio. Ford and Diulio is an Orange County-based uh, boutique litigation firm with experienced attorneys from the big law firm. So you get all that experience in a boutique firm like theirs. The partners who founded did so on the concept of what they call aligned interest, where their success is tied to your success, and it's not just tied to how long they can string things out. It's being efficient and effective, and where they engage in the relentless pursuit of their clients' goals, whether in litigation, mediation, or even a trial. If that's what you're looking for, you can find them at forddiulio.com, just like it sounds, F-O-R-D-D-I-U-L-I-O. FordDiulio.com. All right. So many. Do I, I just one? Do I get to ask one question or can we go on for another hour here? No, 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 no. Ask a couple questions. I knew you'd have some. <laughs> I never thought of uh, creating an entity to uh, 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 for investment purposes. I just thought, well, it's all just going to be income that passes to me. But I, I guess I'm not thinking of all the downsides of getting sued and stuff here. Are there other reasons? Are there tax advantages other than protecting your interests here? Do you uh, get taxed differently if it's uh, in an entity? Um, so it depends. But if we just stay with real estate for this show, um, the tax almost the same, but there is another advantage that um, I like to mention to clients. So every time you don't have an entity, all your activity of income expenses on your personal return is almost like you show the IRS everything. Mm. So if the IRS audits you because you claim one thing, but they get to see, oh, you have this W-2, you have another investment, too, you have this or that. Versus if you can hold this in a separate LOC, all the IRS can see when they audit your individual return is one number or two or three from the K-1s, which is a summarize of everything. Now, if they want to see what in there, they have to audit another entity mm-hmm. and they have to open another case. So it's, it makes it a little bit harder for the IRS to like, hey, what's what What do you have? What do I want to look at? 
So they start a fishing expedition, and all of a sudden they start finding all these other things, and it opens a can of worms. Maybe, but usually they, they don't. They, they just only get a stack op- of K ones. Yes, exactly. And then they really don't want to. Oh, I audit you, and then therefore I audit your business. It's very rare unless they see something um, very fishy. Mm-hmm. So it's and that wouldn't be your client anyway. No. <laughs> so we make it a little bit more complicated um, for the eyes to do, and. Um, at the business level, you deduct a few more things than at personal level that easily get uh, so-called red flags. So there are different things you can deduct uh, in an entity that you maybe wouldn't or couldn't uh, deduct on a personal income? Yes. Right. And then for 2022 through 2026, uh, California actually allows you to do what's called PTET, which is pass-through entity tax. And what that means is you only get... Say that again. That sounds so sexy to me. <laughs> Pass-through entity tax? Yes. Okay. Pass-through entity tax under AB 150. And you only can get that deduction if you have a separate entity. If you are just a sole prop, then you don't get it. So that's another reason why people should consider creating... So say that again. You lost me on that one here. So <laughs> somehow if you have an entity for the next four years going forward, you get to do something? Yes. Yeah, so... Um, since the law changed uh, 2018, if you pay real estate tax, let's say 5000 and then pay to California FTB on your personal income tax, let's say $50,000. Right. It doesn't matter how much you pay. You guys all know you guys only can deduct $10,000. $10,000 with that salt tax cap I keep salt. complaining about. Yes. yes. Right. But California say, well, if you pay me your business tax first, Mm-hmm. I'll give you the deduction at the Fed level. So in my example, let's say your real estate net going to make $100,000 net. Right. Mm-hmm. If you don't do anything, you will be taxed at the Fed level at $100,000 income and California at $100,000 income. Normal. No deduction. Right. But now California said, hey, pay me 9.3%, and that's a real number, 9.3% of that $100,000 first. Mm-hmm. Give it to me. Then at the Fed level, you only get you have tax only 100 minus at 9.3, let's say 10. So 100 minus 10, you only get taxed on the $90,000 at the Fed level. If you have an entity. If you have an entity. If you don't, then you don't get to do that. See, so that's what I'm looking for. Every little bit adds up, yeah, man. That's what I'm looking for here. Last question. When you sell all this stuff, does it matter? Is there a different tax rate or a benefit if you sold it as a corporation, LLC, partnership, or just personal? Um, at personal, when you when you go to sell, does it matter if you have an entity? Are there different things that take place, and, and do the different entities have different advantages that's when a you good sell question. it? Yeah, more likely no. The only difference is going to be under LLCs. Currently, California has a gross receipts fee. Not currently, but it's been years already. Gross receipts fees. What that means is, besides the eight hundred dollars, they're going to charge you based on your gross receipts. So let's say you sell this for $2 million. Mm-hmm. They say, well, then you're going to owe me another $2,500 something on that okay. for gross receipts fee in addition to all the taxes. But other than that, everything's um, pretty much equal. Okay. There's nothing else different. Is it easier to sell something if it's in an entity? Does somebody want to buy that entity and just continue it? Or is it no different? Uh, I personally, let's say you own another property. Uh, so in real estate, Usually, people don't buy your entity Correct. because it's come with the debt and the liability. Let's say someone is suing you right now; they don't want to buy that entity and oh, then inherit yeah. that. The, the real estate is generally sold out of the entity. Yes, 
Yeah. Okay. So the entity sells it out of itself mm-hmm. and, and then usually does replace it with something else for tax purposes. But yes. yeah. And the same with a trust, you know, if there's a family trust and they can, they can own the property in the name of the trust and then they will sell it out of the trust and it act, you don't buy the trust. You just get the property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Good okay. questions though. All right. See, I'm so used to having my real estate hat on. I forget that people don't always know, you know, the yeah. nuance of what we do. This is why we have people like and, and you don't think about how you set it up what the implications are for the taxes going in or the taxes coming out does any of this ever affect what's the thing you call where you flip it over into something that's what's the and what's that magic number the 1031 exchange 1031 yes. exchange there you go yeah. all these numbers i can't remember them all it's all tax codes <laughs> it's all tax codes so i'm i'm sorry what what, what was so isn't it different if it's in an entity or a personal the 1031 exchanges apply? in terms of the tax exposure or yeah yeah no, no. It, it's just different ways to hold it for depending upon your investment strategy mm-hmm. um, and really truly with the llc's the primary objective is to protect your other assets right you know and and, and think about it i mean if someone is a tenant and they're living in a fourplex by the beach you know, they know that that's worth millions of dollars mm-hmm. and they suspect that their landlord has lots and lots of money. Right. You know, and that and that is a slip and fall waiting to happen. You know, so you need to be careful. And unfortunately, this is called the land of the lawsuit for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> right. Good stuff. All right. I know. Yeah. I know. We're keeping it sexy. So um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. And before we wrap up. Ton, I think we prepared you that I love asking my guests my sort of version of the famous Vanity Fair Proust questionnaire just to get to know the person behind the business person. So, you ready? Yes. Okay, great. What city do you call home? Rancho Santa Margarita. Nice. How long have you lived there? Oh, this June actually going to be 10 years. Wow. It flies by, doesn't it? It does. I can't believe it. Well, so if, fast. If you've been there 10 years, you must love it. Oh, yes. I really love the city. Tell us why. It's very clean. Mm. Very, uh, very family oriented. Mm-hmm. My kids actually can run on the street. Wow! To another neighbors, say hi and come back, and I actually don't have to worry. That's awesome. Yes, and the HOA is super, super cheap. Maybe seventy five dollars now mm-hmm. a month, and we have access to all these parks and pools. So clean. I love I it. I love the Lago Club, the Beach Club. Yes, so it's fun. fun. Yes. Do your kids just live there in the summer? Oh uh, well, they try, but mom <laughs> yeah. say no. Mom's I can't handle. I can't handle it too much. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yes, I do not know how people like you. You are heroes. You're running a company. You're a mom. You're a partner to your spouse. I mean, you do charity work do you sleep i do sometimes <laughs> little, little tiny increments once in a while and I my t- kids doesn't wake me up to uh, get some milk in the middle of the night she still oh, does it unfortunately wow. you're yes. a good human ton you really are <laughs> all right so i know this is a this is a fun question and hard for some people if you have one what would you say is your most treasured possession i actually thought hard about this because i actually don't have a lot but i do have one thing um is a penny size green jade necklace pendant. Wow. It's actually my grandma's earring, one of the earrings. Mm-hmm. And when she passed away, I took that and make it like a necklace pendant. I don't really wear jewelry, so but I keep it. I was like, if I don't steal this, I'm gonna choke them. It's an heirloom. Yeah. It's your grandma. And every time I see it, I remember my grandma because she always wore it and mm-hmm. raised me up. I always just remember those green jade earrings. So they now become my that's lovely. And someday I'm sure you'll pass that down to your daughter. <laughs> yes, they can do whatever with it, but that's mine for now. See, they cherish the things we cherish. They're intimate and, and everyone has their mm-hmm. own. 
Now, considering the litany of things I was just sharing about you, you've done so much already. What would you say is your greatest achievement so far? Um, so the firm I created, um, I really want to change the public accounting industry a little bit, by a little bit, and hopefully everyone else is going to compete with me and then I change the industry because it's a very tough industry. That's fantastic. And can you, in what way do you think it needs to be changed? So um, there are many ways, but right now I focus on really work-life balance and the that four babies have been born since I started my firm, not by me, by my staff. <laughs> <laughs> that means we provide enough work-life balance that people are willing to get married and have kids. Versus before I work, most of my managers are either single mm-hmm. or just single and dating or just married but no kids because we can't. We're too busy. And that is what I had heard. I didn't even think about that, that that was just the culture of the industry. Yeah, you got to keep up with the work. So you're creating a culture where people actually get to have lives. Yes. So now four babies now. That's wonderful. <laughs> I love, I'm, see, I, and I, I love you even more now. <laughs> Thank you. So, and this is my favorite. If you have one, what would you say is your personal motto? So it depends on the day, depends on the time, but for today, mm. I always tell my staff and everyone, including my kids, is be kind. Yes. You never know what people have been through, so just be kind, just in case. Yes. And I can't imagine anybody ever calls a CPA and is grumpy. <laughs> you never have to deal with cranky people, do you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, she might be saying be kind a lot today. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Yes. Oh, my goodness. To. Well, I, I love it. I love it. Everything about you. I love your story. I love how you're helping families grow their wealth. Um, and I know I hear so many of our, our peers, our professional friends, who talk about how delighted all of their clients are with Ton. So if someone needs to speak with you or just wants to have a quick call to understand, you know, when they're going to be ready for you, how can they reach you? Uh, they can just call the office, 949-484-8288. My assistant will direct you to me. Great. And where is your office? Uh, right next to John Wayne oh, Airport. Okay. So it's right in the middle of Orange County. Yes. It's Perfect. Very located. And that number, once again, operator standing by is? 949-484-8288. Perfect. And ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing from Tan Kambaliza. She's co-owner of Tambaliza McGee. So that's it for today. We're going to call it a wrap. Please follow us on um, realveracity.com, our Podbean this week with Wendy, or wherever you most like to listen to your podcasts.